welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Yes, he's a good God. Look at somebody and say, I'm a survivor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's good news. You might as well keep standing. Because you worshiped yourself up. Now we got to get in the word. How many of y'all ready to get in the word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. I thought only the first service was ready to get in the word. Y'all act like y'all ready to get in the word like crazy. So we praise the Lord. Y'all glad to be here. Y'all glad to be here. Amen. 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 Won't you stand to your feet as we get ready to get in the word. Before we put the word up there, I just want to uh, acknowledge some people. If you graduated from high school, put your hand up in the air. High school graduate. I see you. I see you. Let's give God a hand praise for the high school graduates. Amen. Amen. If you graduated from college, put your hand in the air. I see you. I see you. Congratulations. Amen. If you got your master's degree, put your hand up in the air. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Amen. If you got your doctorate degree, anybody got a doctorate in the house? One day, hey! Somebody say, hello, doctor. Hello, doctor. Amen. Now, I don't want to leave nobody out. If you graduated from kindergarten, <laughs> you know, I don't want nobody home. He ain't acknowledged me, the pastor. You know, I know they're upstairs. We, we had some kindergartners in the first service. Yeah, they went gangster. Um, Pre-K. Pre-K, hallelujah. Graduate, I see you. Amen. Amen. Um, anybody graduate from the fifth or sixth grade? Any of those? I know people upstairs. I just want to make sure. I want to acknowledge everybody. Well, let's give God a hand praise for all our graduates. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and dig in. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. This is our base verse today, but we're going through a ton of verses today. One, two, three, read. All right. Um, our title today is Praying Through Seasons of Suffering. How to Pray Through Seasons of Suffering. Let's go before the Lord. Father, um, you are a good God. And we announce that no matter what's going on in our life, you're a good and merciful God who is committed to your people. <clears throat> so God, as you do surgery in us and helping us to know what it's like to talk to you when we don't feel like it, Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable 
in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praying through seasons of suffering. Um, in my um, third book, Unleashed, I write a chapter on suffering. The book was about uh, the fact that God uses a multiplicity of things in our life to help us to grow spiritually. Uh, but one of those mechanisms that finds its way into being heftily communicated in probably about a third of the New Testament is suffering. It, 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 in other words, God utilizes things that grow us and, and, and that he utilizes as mechanisms to help us to look more like Jesus. As we say a lot around here, Romans 8, 20, 8, 39, uh, 29 says, and he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ, which means that the thing that God is after more in your life than anything in your life is he's after you looking like Jesus. And so whether you like it or not, that's what God's agenda is for your life. So if you're up or if you're down, God's trying to get you to look like Jesus. But, 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 but in more than that, he's not really trying to get you to look like Jesus. He's trying to help you to know that because of Jesus, you already look like Jesus. You just don't realize it yet. Okay, let me see. Y'all may have heard this before, but I'm going to make it plain for you. We had a sculptor years ago that used to go here. And I was, I was blown away by, uh, I think, sculpting art. I'm most fascinated by the delicacy of a person that can walk up to a piece of stone and literally create an image. And so I said, how, I mean, I said, you got to break this down, how you create these. Because I said, I don't even understand how you don't, you hit it just hard enough and this piece come off and you hit it a little bit and you just work on it. He said, well, it's really easy for me, Pastor. I said, what you mean, how is that easy? He said, well, it's easy because I'm not sculpting an image. I already see the image inside of it. I'm just taking the stuff off of it that's in the way of what I already see. <laughs> what God is trying to do in your life daily is if you know Jesus, he's already in you. It's just some stuff that's on you that got to go. So when God started removing some stuff off your life and it's time to go, stop crying about what God has caused to spill and just open yourself up for his chiseling process of getting to the image of Jesus Christ that's already within you. And so as we look at this idea of, of praying through seasons of suffering, I anticipate a silent gathering, but that's okay. Uh, um, because no one wants to suffer, but it's the season that could prophetically be spoken to you on a regular occasion. I know you hear a lot, you're about to come into a season of riches, and you're about to come into a season of this, and you're about to come into a season of that. I can tell you without the Holy Spirit telling me that at some point, you're about to be in a season of suffering. Okay? Now, now, now the question, listen, family, the question isn't, whether or not you're going to be in a season of suffering. That's not the question. <clears throat> the question is, will you talk to God? Because some of us, God has made us so mad that we don't want to say nothing to him. Ain't nobody going to talk back on that part. Some of you are silently bitter. <laughs> so some, some, of you, some, of, some, of you, some of you right now sitting under the sound of my voice haven't prayed in months. Some of you under the sound of my voice, y'all are sitting here, and you, you, you like, I, 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 I'm here for a word, and that's it, and I'm gone, and I love God, I'll see him in eternity, but I'm really not feeling him right now. 
But, 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 but in reality, if you don't learn the normacy of difficulty, you'll never grow. If you never learn the normacy of difficulty, you'll just never grow. And, and, and listen, let me explain something to you. The way growth works is God doesn't skip grades. God doesn't say, you're doing so well, you're going from first grade to third. He don't do that. You got to take every pop quiz, every quiz, every test, every midterm, and every final, and you have to do all of those presentation assignments that he wants you to do. <laughs> you don't get to skip one assignment. The things that you're trying to avoid, even if you leave the state, God will school you and re-enlist you in another academy in another state. And so, 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 so your, your life isn't transferring out of God's school because if you're a believer, you are a lifetime apprentice to Jesus Christ. And so in light of that reality, you don't get to run away from your growth. But many of us try to. And God loves you enough, listen, to not let you get away with your speeding Gonzalez spirit. So here we come to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to read several texts here. And we're going to land in uh, verse 7 of chapter 5. And then we're going to go through some other passages that frame this idea of how to pray during seasons of suffering. In Hebrews chapter it's interesting, in Hebrew, oh, my first point is the Savior's life. The Savior's life. If you're going to learn to pray through suffering, you're going to have to know the Savior's life. Now, people always have this view of Jesus that Jesus didn't have of Jesus. Like, people that want you not to deal with their sin, they like to say he's a God of love. So they, they, like, the, they like the one that sits with the sinners, but he, they don't like the one that goes into the temple and kicks tables over. So if you're going to come to Jesus, you got to have all of who Jesus is. So let's get us a real picture of who Jesus Christ is. Now, look at, look at, look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. It says, it's on the board if you, don't have, if you can't go there quick enough. It says, for in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through all things exist, should make the source of eternal salvation perfect through sufferings. So the, perf the perfect had to be perfected. Jesus was perfect, but he also had to be made perfect. We're going to see something in a second. Let's, let's keep reading. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, it says, After he was perfected, mm, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. There was that curse word, obedience. <laughs> Chapter 7, verse 28. It says, for the law appoints as high priest men who are weak, but the promise of the oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been perfected forever. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now let's read the last verse, and we're going to explain some things. Look at Chapter 5, verse 7. During his life, his earthly life, Underline earthly life. This is important. He offered prayers, appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Jesus Christ was perfected, y'all. Meaning 
Jesus, when he came in his incarnation in Mary's womb and was birthed, was perfect as he ever was going to be, but wasn't as perfect as he was going to be. <laughs> now, in his, in, in, in his deity, he's perfect. In his humanity, he's perfect. Yet his deity didn't have to grow because it wasn't human. His, his humanity and his soul had to grow because he was a human. In other words, Jesus didn't cheat by coming here in a fully glorified state that we would be in. He was without sin and submitted himself to every single mechanism, listen, that God set up to grow him to maximize every season of his life. As a matter of fact, he saw every piece of what he went through as a mechanism to help him to grow and develop in the way that God wanted him to develop to be all that God had wanted him to be, even though he was all that God wanted him to be, he still saw himself in what he was of being something that God wanted him to be that he was not yet because he was human and he needed to grow like us. So if Jesus could submit himself to a sanctification process, who in the world does your big head think you are? Now, what's interesting about this reality, the Bible says in Luke 2.52, he grew in both grace and knowledge with both God and man. So Jesus in his humanity came here not knowing everything in his humanity. I know y'all are like, is this heresy or not? Now, he's actually had to be a real human. He had to physically grow. He didn't come out, out of Mary like, hey, y'all, let me start doing miracles. And I know our sisters are very grateful for that. He came as a baby and grew, had to be taught lessons. He had to memorize scripture. Jesus didn't come here knowing John 3.16, even though he is John 3.16. <laughs> he came here submitting himself willingly to every level of process of growth. How in the world will you not, in your little circumstance, not do the same? Now, what's interesting, though, is not just that he grew spiritually, is that he never let what he went through confuse him about God. Never. Never. Never let him. Matter of fact, matter of fact, he was never confused about it, but he entered, and I don't even know how to even verbally express this, because it's too much for my finite mind. To kind of, but I'm using, if I heretically mess up, just forgive me and pray for me. But I'm trying to wrap my mind around Jesus Christ wrestling with God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my mind. Now, the suffering of Je Jesus is not talking about his cross sufferings in this passage. It's talking about pre-30 years old and between 30 and 33 before he died. So, so, so when we look at this, we see that Jesus constantly went through different types of seasons of suffering and difficulty. But what did he do? He prayed. Look at what the text says, though. This is where we all need some help with. It says he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears. Stop right there. Now, he got... You know, some of us don't like loud people in the church already. 
You know, they said, why did the person say amen so loud? Why when that person cry, they got to go, oh, God! Why they got to do all that? <laughs> but guess what? Jesus hollered. I want y'all to imagine that. Jesus would go often by himself to pray. People hating on him all the time. He'd pull back. He'd go, God, Yahweh, Father. And he prayed like that so much, the disciples waited. They was quiet, like, waited until he came back. <laughs> it's like, you going to talk to him first? I ain't going to talk to him. I ain't going to talk to him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but what does he do? He says, can you teach us how to pray like that? Now, listen to me. He, he's, he's, he, what they were asking wasn't teaching me how to pray. In, in, the, in, in the sense of verbiage. He was saying, teach us how to connect with God. In other words, teach us how to be emotionally vested in prayer. He gave them words, he gave them structure, but Jesus had a lot of intensity in his prayers. We can, we can imagine, this, this wasn't just, and we know that it wasn't just the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed like that because it says prayers, plural, and appeals, plural. So that means it was more than just that occasion. That Jesus, listen, Jesus, listen to this. Jesus who eternally existed with God forever came a human and prayed like he never saw him before. Jesus. Somebody said, well, what? people always ask, why did Jesus pray? Because he had to. Why did Jesus pray? Well, how can he be God pray? Because he was man too. And so why did he pray? Because he knew he needed God. God, Jesus needs God. I mean, so if Jesus needs God, who else needs God? And everything in his life was staged by God, and he knew it was going to happen, but he prayed like his, it, his prayers depended on it happening. If you look at the Gospels, it kept saying, in order that the prophet may be fulfilled. In order, and this was fulfilled. Why? Jesus was walking in his purpose, but it took prayer. Before he chose who his team, he prayed all night. I wish I could just parenthetically pause there. I mean, some of y'all add people to the team too quickly. That's, that's for free. That, that's just, that ain't got nothing to do with the sermon but prayer, right? But some of, some of, y'all, some of y'all just, y'all like people, but y'all don't know what you're getting. But Jesus knew how messed up his team was and still prayed and put them on the team because God chose them to be on the team. So if God chose them to be on the team, whatever they were, God had prepared him to deal with and them to be sanctified through because he prayed about them being on the team. That's it. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. So he prayed. That's, That's why many of us as men need to learn how to be emotionally invested. You're not no punk or no sucker if you cry, bruh. Matter of fact, you ain't manner than Jesus. Who's more man than Jesus? I dare you raise your hand. (laughs) But let me tell you something. 
he emotionally, he was able to be emotionally available to God. Many of us as men aren't emotionally available to people because we're not emotionally available to God. Now I'm going to give you another free nugget because I got to move. If they don't cry, if they don't holler, <laughs> and if they don't suffer well, run. I'm going to just give you this for free. Marriage too hard to not have somebody in it that don't suffer well. Anyway, the wives went, the hands went up. But then on the other side, but then on the other side, some of you sisters been hurt so much that you've closed your emotions. And Jesus invites you to re-emote with him. How do I know he can get emotional? Because the text says it. Can you imagine Jesus on a mountain by himself hollering before God looking crazy? But he was willing to do. I got to go to the next one because I can spend all my time just on that. Next one. In order to talk about praying through seasons, what type of seasons do we go through? Turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Y'all still trekking with me, right? I I, I just want to lay some more foundation. I'm going to give you some practical stuff and I'm gone. Look. Chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Look at these seasons. It says, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. So that means our lives have different seasons. Look at what it says. A time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing, Uh uh-oh, a time to search and a time to count as loss, oh Lord, a time to keep and a time to throw away Jesus, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to be silent, Salah on that. Okay, now I read, and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What am I saying that for? It's because God has set your life up to not be one big season. (laughs) And listen, God ordains and sovereignly carries you through seasons. And what happens is, is you as a believer have to be keen of what type of season God has you in through your connection with him in prayer so that you can know what disposition of activity in this passage to apply in that particular season. Because if you're in a season where God is telling you to throw some stuff away, but you're trying to keep everything, then you're in trouble. But guess how you know what season you're in? Pray. Okay, I got to move. Next thing. So we, ta- we, we talked about Jesus. We talked about types of seasons. Now we got to look at what constitutes suffering seasons. Let's go through somebody that, that went through some suffering season, and he's going to talk about what that looks like. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 through 10. Let's go there. We're going to page a little bit today. Somebody say page. Let's do 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 3 through about the 10th verse. Look at what it says. It says, we are not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be <coughs> the blame. It said, instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in every way. In other words, what Paul is saying right here is Paul is saying, we commend ourselves. In other words, we don't, we, 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 praise that comes to our life comes based on a right idea of what the Christian faith looks like. In other words, we open up our lives to show you what real Christianity is. 
Now, you have to understand, the Corinthians didn't know what real Christianity was. They thought real Christianity, you know, was to, was to have bling around your neck. They thought, they, thought, they thought real Christianity was where you shopped and what you drove and who you hung with. But Paul says, based on how you choose leaders, you know, I, I wouldn't be a leader, but let me give you qualifications that make me who I am. In other words, what makes us like we are, it actually connects more with the reality of what a Christian life looks like versus the one you created in your mind. So look what he does. Stay with me, y'all. He goes down and he says in verse, in verse, in verse, in verse four, he says, instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything by great endurance. That means you go through trials. By affliction, that means you go through trials. That means by hardships, you go through trials. By difficulty, you go through trials. By beatings, you go through trials. By imprisonment, you go through trials. By riots, you go through trials. By labors, that means you work hard in the midst of the trials. Even though you're going through the trial, that means you don't stop working for God. By sleepless nights, sometimes you have insomnia because you've gone so crazy because of how difficult things are and you can't sleep at night. That's a trial. By times of hunger, sometimes I ain't got what I need, but I have who I need. By purity. By knowledge, by patience, by kindness. I got to be nice to people even though I'm going through hell. I have to smile. That's just a simple principle. If you're at work and you're going through, who you're working for don't need to know you're going through. Next, by the Holy Spirit. By sincere love, by the word of God, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for our right and our left, through glory and through dishonor, through slander. Oh, my God. How do we handle slander? To all my haters out there. <laughs> you know how we do. Let me, let me tell all of y'all out there that's talking about me. I'm, my season is coming. You watch. You know, you're like. That's why the Bible says it's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. See, it all blends together if you just stay with me. You understand what I'm saying? Let's put the text together. Help me. It says, in our left, it, 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 it says, through sign through good report. That means you, you, you're so spiritual. Listen, we're supposed to, because of Christ's strength, we're supposed to be so spiritually mature. We're supposed to live a commendable life even when people slander us and evil when people talk good about us. Because sometimes when people talk good about you, you better be careful that you don't let it go to your head because if the season changes and they say something different, you, you're basing your emotional investment in who you are based on what type of season you're in based, versus the gospel that gives you your identity in the first place. I, I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. He says, he says, regarded as deceivers yet true. He says, as unknown yet recognized. He says, as dying yet see. We live as being disciplined yet not killed. As grieving yet always rejoicing. As poor yet enriching many. As having nothing but possessing everything. So, let, me, let me tell you that. Whenever I go through something, I just read that. Why is that important? Because those are the, those are the different things that constitute suffering seasons, okay? Stay with me. <laughs> Let's go to the promise of suffering. Y'all still trekking with me, right? Oh, man. Acts 14. Then I'm going to move to the next one. I'm out your way because y'all sang a long time. So you getting up there talking about walls falling after it's all over. <laughs> all right. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Look at it. Look at it. 
Now, now, now I want you to feel this text. It says, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. Stop right there. Now, like, let me explain something to you. Like, don't read stuff like this in the Bible and just whiz past it. Understand the intensity of what just happened. This is not like dodgeball with, like you went to Walmart and the things, they got the cage with the little balls in it. You pull out, you can just throw it, and it kind of lightly goes another direction. A brick is something, you know, that when you throw it, it heavily comes down, right? So he got stoned. He got, he got surrounded, and he got stoned. And then it says, and then they dragged him out of the city. Meaning that would be like dragging somebody to Delaware County. Okay? Then it says, thinking he was dead. They, they, they just left him there thinking he was dead. After that, he should have been dead. Now look at this. This is, this is the swollenness of the gospel. It said, after the disciples gathered around him, just a crowd just stood around him. They didn't even touch him. It says, he got up and went into the town. So, well, you stoned me, dragged me to the white meat. I ain't coming back in the city. <laughs> white meat is epidermis. I'm not being racial. It's epi beyond the epidermis. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Only black people, we know we got white meat. When, when you get down, he said, that ain't my melanin. That's, you hurt me. So, uh, <laughs> so, so here, he goes back into the place where he suffered. Why? Because he knew his calling. <laughs> and, and li listen to me, because... Because he knew on the day he got saved, he said, I must show him how much I, he must suffer for my name's sake. So he said, he said, suffering isn't a retreat from my calling, but actually a pursuit of it. So sometimes prayer will make you go back to a hard place. That you thought through your pain you were supposed to leave. Now, 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 look what happens though after that. Now, they're going to, they, they, they living this out. Now, they're going to tell other people about it. Ah, look at what it says in verse 21. It says, after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples. Oh, God, I had time on disciples. Disciple, disciple doesn't mean someone that comes to an altar call, says a, says a sinner's prayer, and leaving, you never see them again. A disciple is a person that remains around because they made a profession of faith, but their profession of faith is actually real, and they have trusted Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, and they're willing to do with all that comes with the faith because of what Christ has done for them. Mm. Now, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them now in the faith and telling them, stop right there, don't look at it. Look at me. Now, Look at me, because I don't want y'all to see it yet. Now, the problem is the way we don't disciple people well. Because we don't prepare people for the real Christian life. What the real Christian life is. You know, God wants you to come into a new season. I, I sense in the spirit now. that, that I, I sense now. Mm, there it is. I sense... Since God is about to bring some people around you, you've been working on a project in Starbucks. I see you. In, I see you writing. I see a pen, and you're. Everybody go to Starbucks and write. You know what I'm saying? And you're about to. You, uh, God says develop a PowerPoint for that. Amen. And and that person's going to come around you. And and but nobody ever says this. 
Like, what's he, what they about to say is what they learned in New Believers class. They learned this in, in Covenant community. That's what they learned. They learned the stuff we talk about. Now, look at what they, this is the first thing they teach young disciples when they first come to Jesus Christ. Right here, what they about to say. Look at this madness. It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Who teaching that? Okay, welcome to the faith. It's going to be hard. Welcome to Jesus Christ. Let's give them the right hand of fellowship. Okay, um, Satan doesn't like you now. Now you're a target because God's glory is on you. He didn't bother you at first because he didn't have to, because he was your father. Now you have a new father, and you've been adopted. Now he's after you because he's really not after you. He's after the father, but because the father and the son is in you, he's after you now. So you're going to become a target, and things are going to be hard, and you're going to go through difficult seasons, but I don't want you to be confused by that. We've got to teach people. No parent. Listen, one of the things that we as parents do, we're trying to get our kid. One of the things you want to know, you want your kid to make it in the world. So you're pouring everything into them that you can, but you know that the house is an incubator. You can simulate all you want with belts and punishment and, and, and chores. But, but I'm going to tell you what, I will go back to, to, to 10 and get a beating from my father versus some bills that I got to pay. I'm just saying. But when you're preparing, but when you're preparing children, you're preparing them because you want them to win. You, you don't prepare disciples so they can go out, la, 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 like the Smurfs or something. Out in the, like, no, man, you know, we need to prepare people to be warriors in the world. Oh. Go to 2 Thessalonians, I'm done. <clears throat> I'm done. Second Thess, I got one prayer principle for you and I'm done. Second Thess, 111. <laughs> Let's read. I'm going to read it. It says, in view of this, what is this? Look at me. This is Nero was impaling Christians, greasing them down with oil, and using them as halogen light bulbs outside in his camp. So this is what Paul prays for them. He says, in view of this, the suffering you're going through, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling. What? Hold on, Paul. Man, I want Paul to put his hand on my belly and say, uh, you know, I can stand up, son. I want him to put his hand on my belly. I want to say, right now, I pray deliverance over him right now to come out. Listen, sit down. Look. <laughs> Paul prayed, I pray that you'd make them look like you. This is the application. There's nothing wrong with praying for deliverance. Praying through suffering is asking God to maximize his work in you while you're in the trial. As painful as it is, I'm not saying you run after, hey, trial, come here. Not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's masochism, right? What, what, but what we believe in is like, I'm in it. Because there's some times when I've suffered and have been suffering where I'm kind of hot with God. Now, I, I know ain't nobody else going to be, you know, but when you've been through some back-to-back, -back, you're like, God, can I, like, have, like, a 15-year hiatus? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
give me some time. Oh, like, let me be the prosperity gospel for 15 years at least. You understand what I'm saying? Let me do that, right? But, but God loves you enough to not let you get away with being the same. And he knows that suffering in a good way will make you pray. The best, there's some of the best things on the planet that are only created under pressure and under heat and under deep, being taken to deep places. Clams make pearls in deep water. <laughs> Diamonds are made under heat of a long time of being under, under all types of pressure and heat and it's created. Listen, what God wants to do in your life takes time, pressure, and depth. And this is all I got to say to y'all and I'm done. Where you are in your trial, open your mouth, stop complaining, and start talking to God. Stop seeking functional saviors to make you feel like you're not going through it. God had to show me. There's all kinds of mess I want to get into when I'm in a trial. And God's like, no, it's not. does it ever work? Ever in your life, Eric, has it ever, does, did your sin ever work? No. He says, so, so why don't you just come to me? Well, when I first come, God, when I come before you, it, you know, I don't feel your presence. Is my presence a feeling or a reality by faith? Matter of fact, Eric, I'm actually closer to you when you don't feel me than when you do feel me. Why? Because I'm neither the brokenhearted than those who are crushed in spirit. And what God, God wants to, this is what God wants to do, I'm done. God, God wants you to just, just if, even if you just get there for the first time, you set your Bible down and your journal down and you just open up your palms and bawl your eyes out. <laughs> if you go somewhere off of Fairmont Park, if you got a car, you just drive into a corner and just yell your eyes out. But whatever you do during your suffering, don't close your mouth. Why? What does that have to do with spiritual warfare? Because when you don't talk to God, Satan has a talking agenda for you. The Bible says that Jesus got away a lot by himself and prayed and wrestled. Do you think if you was in heaven and came to earth, you'd like being here? I would have prayed all the time probably too. Heard this going up. But what I love about God and I'm done. What I love about God is he beckons me. I can, you know, I can sense him saying, pray. You ever sense God lassoing you in because you've been distant? And then you don't want to do it in the, and, and this, you get this sense of this wall that's up. And then when you finally start talking to him, you're glad you did. I'm done. Father God, I'm going to take the time to minister to you guys. I know I see some of your faces just like I did the first service. And I want to expeditiously pray for you. <clears throat> um, if you're here today and you're a believer and you're like, I know that I'm in a season of suffering, but I don't feel like talking to God. I've been cut off and locked down, and, but I want, I want the door to open. I need help to speak again. Come on so I can pray for you. I want to pray for you real quick. I'm going to maximize that. If that's you. Thanks for popping up, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you, brother. 
I see you brothers coming. Come on, come on, come on. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? I see you. I see you, sister. You've hit a wall in your trials and suffering, and God is like, I want to meet you there, but I want you to talk to me. I want to pray. I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? You're saying, God, I, I'm distanced from you because of how I feel about how you, I feel some type of way because of the way you've let me go through stuff, and I feel abandoned. That's why I'm not talking to you. God is saying I'm not. But in order for us to flip that reality, I just want to pray. I just want to pray. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anyone else? I see you coming. I see y'all coming. Anyone else? I see you standing up there. I see you standing. I see you coming. I see y'all too coming. We're going to wait for you. <clears throat> We've gone a little long today, but that's all right. Yes. Anyone else? <sighs> Said, I haven't seen what I'm going through rightly. And I need prayer so that God can help me see it rightly. Amen. Father, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for those who have gone and who are gone. I see you coming, sis. Uh, who are going through and have gone through. And Lord God, and don't really know how to dub the season they're in. God, I'm praying for your strength and your mercy to give them the grace to keep the lines of communication with you absolutely open. And Lord God, that they would communicate with you and talk to you and they would, that you would help them to be more emotionally, I think it's a beautiful thing, to be emotionally connected to you like Jesus Christ was. And to be able to be honest. The Bible says, pour out your heart before the Lord, Psalm 62, 8. God, teach them the grace to pour out their heart before you, but then God also, based on Philippians 4, you say, I've learned to be with and without. In other words, you, Paul talks about having transseasonal commitment to you. Help your people to have, by, because of what Christ has done, you've already given it to them. The question is not whether you've given it to us, empowered it, whether or not we use it. God, give them transseasonal commitment to you and help the enemy not to come in and confuse them during times of difficulty and frustration and through the, 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 the awakening nightmares of experiencing life that they're experiencing through all of these different types of suffering, Lord God, and give them comprehensive perspective and commitment to say, I'm going to pray through every season that I go through, but particularly I'm going to pray through those seasons of suffering where I know that God is at work in my life. Even though I don't see him at work in my life, he is at work, and I am going to press into him in every single way. Just like Christ in the garden, he says, let this cup pass, but not my will but your will be done. Strengthen your people today, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, and thank you for tuning in today. If this message was an encouragement to you, we pray that you would consider partnering with us in our ministry from the inner city and building the kingdom beyond. But also, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we pray that you place your confidence in his death, burial, and resurrection by faith. God bless you. Take care.